2023 is such an amazing year and I'm so blessed to be here with one of my great friends, Alethea McCullough. She's going to kick us off for this coming year and she is an amazing creator and she'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment. And I am so thrilled. This year we got so many wonderful things planned and so please do all the stuff you need to. If you like it, you like it. If you subscribe to it, it just helps us out to get this message out to more people. So Alethea, Welcome. We've had a lot of good pre-conversations. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pre-fun conversations going on. So welcome to the Creativity Cocktail Podcast. Um, we met at the Atlanta Black Theater Festival. She has been a wonderful participant. She had one of her shows. She did a reading last year. And she also participated in a program where we were helping up-and-coming writers to be able to figure out how to do their work for that session, Alethea, and it was phenomenal. So, so great to have you here with us on the Creativity Cocktail today. Thank you so very much. It's a pleasure being here, joy, more than pleasure, joy. It was a joy, so great to have you with us. So you are a creator and you are a writer, you're a producer, you do all of these wonderful things. Tell us about how you've been navigating through these last three years or so uh, as we've been going through the COVID era and, and as we get out of it. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you've been dealing with it and how you've been coping with it. Well, for me, yeah, COVID was fine because I love being at home. I love being in my little space, my little cocoon. And I was like, y'all can, you know, you're feeling some sort of way, I'm sorry, but I'm fine. I was happy. I'm, I'm an introvert. Give me a house, give me a room, give me my space. Don't be around me and I'm good. So um, you know, navigating, navigating COVID for me, was not as difficult as it was for other people. I know other people really struggled. You know, people who have to be out and about. Um, my my younger son, he's a people person, so he might have had it a little more difficult than I did. I mean, I was locked. I was um, stuck abroad for seven months. The first seven months in 2020, could not get back home. You were stuck where? Say it again. I, I missed that. I was stuck abroad. I was stuck abroad. Let's just say that. Oh, I was seven oh, months, and I could because I got there at the um, beginning of March 2020, uh -huh. and you know that's when they had just started talking about COVID, and I thought, like everybody else, this will be this is another thing; it'll be done soon. And I think two weeks later, they were talking about you know if you to get on this flight, and I'm like, there'll be another flight. Seven months trying to get home. It was, it was, it was horrible um, because it's like, you know, you get to a point, I got to a point where I was so desperate. I'm like, am I ever going to be out? It's like being in jail, you know, it's that yeah. kind of, because where you want to be, you can't be. But other than that, creatively, um, you know, I, I wrote a lot, you know, um, so that was beneficial to me. One of the one of the, the the downsides as a creative is that you know you write, but how are you going to? For for example, as a playwright, mm -hmm. we write, but the work comes alive on stage. Yes. You know, we need readings, we need all these things which were kind of hampered 
with um, COVID, but you know, there were opportunities and I think waiting for the opportunity for that thing. For example, I was waiting, that was the first time I had actually decided, let me apply to Atlanta Black Theater Festival. And I got accepted and then I had to, it was the longest route. <laughs> and look, I'm a patient woman, but you know, it's just, you want the thing, but yeah. it was a long wait. And I think even in that, you know, that wait and okay, let me, let me write some more. Let me write this. Let me tweak this piece. So that's what COVID, um, 20, what COVID-19 did for me as a creative, you know, there were high points and I think everybody had those, you know, high points, low points. Yeah, I call it the COVID era because it seemed like it lasted longer than anyone anticipated. It was like, ah, yeah, this is going to be over in a few months or so. You know, it well, didn't end. Yeah. It, it didn't end. So when it kind of started, when people initially, I was like, ah, we're going to travel, blah, 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 you know. But um, I was saying three years. I was kind of in my mind prepared for at least three to five years. I'm, I'm glad it's not five years, although we're still in COVID. I mean, yeah. let's be but um yeah it, it's been it's you know for me you know staying at home is fine i'm fine at home and you know being in my space so yeah. when you said you're an introvert that was hard for me to everybody believe. You, yeah, a lot of people have these these misconceptions about what introverts are but if you really know me you know i need my i need my me time i which apparently is a lot of me time <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read this book uh, throughout the COVID era. It was called Introvert Power. And I read it because I was doing this assessment with my team that I work with. And I was surprised at the amount of introverts we had. And I was sharing with them that introverts have been successful leaders throughout time. Because introverts, as you know, have this ability to capture, listen, and understand a scenario of what's going on pretty quickly and quite more competently. And in that same book, they talked about all of the extroverts throughout history and what they did. <laughs> and there were lots of them, you could probably name them, who did all kinds of things that um, weren't so great. Disastrous. That's right. Disastrous. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, you know, people talk about your superpower now. Um, for me, um, being able to just step away and think, I'm a thinker, um, you know, sometimes the noise, and there's so much more noise today than in the past, you have the noise of social media, you know, being that distraction, and then everything being just so easily or readily at hand, those are, those are noises that kind of you know, can come in and impede your ability to just have some clear thought, think things through, conceptualize differently. I need that. Yeah. I need it because if I don't have it, I'm thinking, what are you saying? You're talking or you're writing just for the sake of, mm -hmm. but I need that time as a, as a person just, and it just makes me feel better. It's like that nap I told you about, you know, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, we talk about siestas every day. I want a siesta every day. I cannot stand the fact that you're just on go, 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 go. Yes. Your body and your mind needs time to just rest. 
Yeah, even if it's for even, even if it's for a short period of time, it, it's valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's invaluable really, if you think yeah. about it. Because just to step away, you know, just to breathe, just to think, regroup. Yeah, our, our brains, when we get rest, our brains not only not only does our bodies recharge, but our brains start to recharge. That's ideals and concepts that were not something we would consider start to come to the front when we Absolutely. get appropriate rest. There was a book written by someone, what's her name, Ariana Huffington. I don't really know much about her. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. she, she just talked about the power of yeah. Yes, um, she had led her post for a number of years before stepping back, but yes, yeah, she wrote that book, The Power of Sleep, because she believes in sleep. I believe in sleep too, guess what? I don't get in it. <laughs> you can believe in it. Yeah, I believe then, it. I want to practice it. And as you get older, you know, sleep is a, necessary, but more challenging, I think, as time goes on to get the appropriate amount of sleep. You know, I, I have a, a friend that's in one of my groups, a, 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 well, a church group. And he's older. He's like in his 70s. And so I said that same thing out loud to him. He was like, well, wait till you get to be 70-something. <laughs> you got to get up every morning to every night to go do this or go use the bathroom. I was like, oh, gosh, you're not helping me. <laughs> <laughs> what you got to look forward to? That's right. I'm going to look forward to that. You ain't got nothing more inspiring to say. Uh, so, so tell us about your, your story. I'm going to share with people here your website. Um, share with us a little bit about your story as a creative and what you're up to these days as far as a writer. Okay, so I would start at the last part and then I'll go back to the front, to the front end of your question. Um, so these days I am actively working on the Stilettos monologues, which was a piece I kind I had a reading of at Atlanta Black Theater Festival a few a couple years ago my first time at Atlanta Black Theater Festival. And in this piece, um, I'm also, I'm directing it. I am also in this piece, I'm doing the, I'm doing my full, I'm exploring my full creative realm in this um, particular piece. It's a piece that it's 15 monologues that talk about different things, um, identity, female power, um, and other things, but it's all encapsulated around the iconic stiletto. I'm not always talking about the stiletto, but it's kind of encapsulated that way. And so that's what I'm working on currently, along with, you know, other pieces that I'm writing um, concurrently, but that's what I'm working on now. And I'm going to have that show in Central Virginia on May 21st. So far, it's just that one date. We'll see if we add more dates afterwards. Well, what was the genesis? What was the thing that when you started to write the stiletto models, what was the thing that says, I got to write this because what was the what was the prompt that got you going with it? Yeah. So at the time I was teaching at Virginia State University and um, I was teaching our writing course, as we all know, Comp 101, Comp 101 or 110, I think it was. And, but I always love to have interesting topics for my students. 
because I just feel, felt, you know, this is, you know, comp can be boring. Let's just be frank about it. But I wanted to have, and so, so the whole thing was I took this, this shoe and I had this discussion, you know, what do you think it represents and so on. And we we're talking about it. And then from that, really, I just came across it. Okay, let me see how many stories I can write about these different identities that the stiletto shoe, um, somehow people relate to the stiletto shoe. And that's where I started. And so that was back in 2014. I did a, a workshop, a live workshop for that. And a lot of the stories have changed since then. I think, you know, back then it was just kind of straight stories. But as time progressed, I kind of set it aside for a while. And when I brought it back, I wanted to do something a little different with it. I wanted to explore African-American cultural um, expressions in telling these stories, our poetic expressions, um, our reliance on call and response, all these little things, I wanted to infuse them into this piece and make the piece really not just tell a, a kind of narrative, straight narrative story, but in a different way. That's what I wanted to do. And that came out of teaching. So yay for teaching. I think teachers are so, uh, I'm not going to say what people usually say, but but if we value our teachers and we value what teaching brings as a teacher, as a, as an instructor, I learned a lot in the classroom mm -hmm. and it was, it, it, it was just a joy writing this piece. Wow. I shared with someone recently that every day we need to make a conscious decision to learn something. Yes. Yeah. You know, in, in whatever realm that we are, and even sometimes in a realm that we're not in, uh, that's kind of what life, life is to me. Yeah. No. I think because not everybody, but not everybody looked at learning or looks at learning in that way, you know, to be a learner, to be a lifelong learner is just, it's, it's a, it's a mindset that you're just not content with whatever you think, you know, whatever you think falls within your scope of knowledge or your particular speciality or something like that, but it is a desire to just expand. Yeah, yeah. such a great feeling, in my opinion, every time I learn something, because it's, it's in here, right? It's wired inside of here. Yeah. Yeah. And then the great thing about what you and many other educators do in the world is you share that you know, directly, specifically with people. That's such a wonderful thing, in, in, in my view. So, so have you always been a, a writer? You know, you shared that you, you teach at a uh, university in Virginia. I, I was, I left a few years ago, but I think always, once a teacher, always a teacher. I say, yeah. give me anything and I'll teach you. I'll teach myself and I'll teach you. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, science, yes, I will learn up on that and come and teach you. Because <laughs> I'm a teacher. That's <laughs> Um, I think I have always been a writer. Um, so, you know, one of the, when we were talk, talking earlier, I talked about my home life. I grew up, my father owned his own business. My mother for a time, she owned a business as well. Um, had older brothers and then the three of us were, a, it's like two sets of kids. But for me, um, even though my brother, my younger brother and sister and I are pretty close in age, I just always felt like I needed this time. And my time, I would delve into books. I read profusely. 
And I just, that was my escape. And so when you read, you want to write because as a child, you want to mimic some of the things that you're reading about. So you start creating, well, for me, started creating stories, I'd write songs, I'd write, and I'd just be, that was my creativity just coming out wherever. And then at church, as we all know, you go to church, you have the church mm-hmm. days, you have the Easter and the Christmas. I always wanted to be there. Yes. So that was, you know, so you have that. So creative in that I am creating something, you're mimicking, mimicking in a way you have mimicry. Right. And also performance. And I think as I grew up, I grew, as I grew, I just, my introversion I remember my father always used to tell me, Come on, don't be shy, don't be shy, speak up, speak up. God, I'm dying, right? <laughs> but I would go downstairs and I would get in and get my little um, diary and I would write these stories or write these songs. And then the school that I attended, I think really encouraged creativity as well. So that was fundamental in me developing as a creative. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's such a, your story is so amazing. You know, it made me reflect on my own. You know, people these days perceive me differently than they did when I was a kid. But when you were sharing what you were doing as a kid, I started to reminisce a bit about how I became uh, creative. And my brother, bless him, found something that I wrote back when I was like eight or nine years old. And I didn't know. My brother was six years younger than me. I didn't even recall it. And I, I looked at it, I was like, man, that was really, really dope for a nine-year-old. <laughs> that was really, really awesome. And I think that this world, for all of you out there that are listening, you have creativity within you. If you're not exploring it today, please do so, because it's not like a thing that you disappears from you. Um, and so it's, it's so important. So let me ask you, I know you and I shared something in common where we're both originally from the islands. So tell us about where you're from and tell us about that a little bit. Okay, so I'm from Trinidad. And for everyone who who knows and who will know now, Trinidad is the epicenter of something called carnival. Um, And I think that, again, that plays into my creativity story. Mm -hmm. So I grew up there. I grew there um, until I was an adult. I moved to Bar, I lived in Barbados for a little bit. Um, but Trinidad is where is where I'm from. And growing up for me, and I'll just link this to the question you had asked before about when I knew I was a creative boy. So I grew up in a home where my father <clears throat> was a non-practicing Catholic, Roman Catholic, and a mother who was a hardcore Pentecostal. Wow. Yes. It was A father who is very introverted and a mother who is not. <laughs> this, this is the life that I had there, which created this. Okay. <laughs> I straddle these two worlds at home. A father that was not very much, that did not say very much, and a mother who said a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, looking back now, um, you know, it could be funny, but then as a child, just trying to navigate, it's like two worlds that are colliding in a home. It was, it was a lot for me. 
techniques. And um, so, but one thing that they really came together on, for example, I spoke about Carnival, is that they both did not want us to participate. My father, he just thought, you know, Carnival, this is just a waste of time. He didn't see the value in all this. Unless he saw the financial value in it. I told you he was a businessman. Yes, but yes. otherwise, <laughs> there was no value in this. And the mother, because of her staunch Pentecostal beliefs, Carnival was the devil's work. Oh, wow. And I attended a Catholic school, all-girl Catholic school, all of my life. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to go back to when I was five years old, my first time. I'm five years old. It's Carnival. My father believed that you go to school every day regardless. So it's carnival. We're going to have carnival celebrations in school, okay? okay? I have no costume. I'm not supposed to participate, but there's music, there's costume, there's this sport, and there's excitement of carnival all around me. And what am I supposed to do? You got to get down. No. Oh, <laughs> I was the band leader. I said, me. <laughs> no, hold. my blue bow tie, my blue tie, it was a necktie, and I would be covered in, and I would, listen, I was helping make costumes, I was doing anything I could do. <laughs> I don't know what happened, I was just a fan, but it just, well, yeah. <laughs> it's an unreasonable expectation. That's right, if it's there, it's the thing, right, yes. <laughs> Participate, I mean, Carnival is an explosion of sound, of storytelling, you know, you have storytelling through the traditional music, um, the storytelling through the costumes, because you know, you're choosing back then there, you have these bands and you're telling a story through costuming. And all of those things really appeal to me, the way that you can perform, the way that you can tell stories different in a different, um, genre in a different way. And that really fascinated and ignited me as a, as a, as a child growing up. So when yeah. Did you, when did you come to the United States? When was that? I came to about in 1990. I okay, so I moved moved here in for fall for real 1997. Okay. 1997, but um, I'd lived yeah, like I said, I'd lived um, in Barbados for four years. I had lived in Canada for a brief time, and then I ran away because I was like, I can't handle this cold. Oh, and my father had sent me by some friends, and I was like, they are too boring for me. I you know, family in Canada, and I don't know how they deal with that. Oh, I went there for one, and it was negative 27 from a Fahrenheit perspective. And there was no thing to them. <laughs> 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 this negative thing is cold. Yeah, it is cold, yeah. 
I grew out, and back then this whole thing was black, and I was, and I grew it out to help me with that. Thing. And I was like, oh, it's not helping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. And I lived where they lived. It was just like the lake was right there, so it was just inextricably, unexplainably cold. And I was like, oh no, I'm gonna figure my way out of this. I told my father a story, and I was back home. <laughs> Yes, I had my cousin drop when I was there for his wedding. He dropped me off at, at one end of Toronto. And I said, I like to walk, so I'm just going to keep walking, walking, walking. And this is December, like middle of December. It's negative something, something degrees. And so I'm walking, walking, walking. By the time I get to meet him where he worked at in Bank of Montreal, it, I was kind of sweating because it was a long walk. and But it's still like negative something. And then I get there and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, so how was it? Did you know, you know, did, what did you see when you walked in the underground area? <laughs> underground? What underground? He's <laughs> like, there's a big giant wall. You could walk the city underground. I was like, dude, why didn't you tell me that? I'm walking in negative something degree. <laughs> oh, gosh, I feel your pain. <laughs> I was like, how do you make me do that? I'm trying to walk. If you know when you stop walking, you walk for a while and you're like hot a little bit, but as soon as you stop, you're going to get cold. <laughs> oh you. my God, yes. I, I love Canada though. It's it's a great place. Um, it is. It was not for me at the time and, you know, life takes you in a different direction. I went to Montreal in a jazz festival in the summer and that was great. So did I. I, I experienced Montreal Jazz Festival in 2014, I think it was. It was phenomenal. I keep saying I have to, I have to go back because my I have people aunts in uh, Montreal, but just had a blast. Twenty fourteen Montreal um, Jazz Festival, beautiful. Yeah, I think at the same time, you know, I went to see uh, an artist. I think he's from France. That I love his music. He's called Wood Kid, and so he makes music that's. Like quasi house music, mm -hmm. but also quasi classical and a little bit of hip hop in it. And I sat in the whole thing, half of it he said in French. So I didn't know that part, but the music was amazing. Yeah. It really, really was. Um, so, Alicia, you did, you did a course for the ABTF last year where you talked to some of the writers. Tell those in the audience a little bit about what you shared in, in that course. I'm trying to, you should have told me, I would have gone and looked back at what did I present on? I know, what did I, was it story versus, I'm trying to remember what I, what I presented on. I know I caught you kind of off guard, but I know it's phenomenal. And I, I, remember, I remember I had like a conflicting meeting that yeah, happened. So I joined for a part of it and it was really, really great. I think it was story versus something, but I think, um, okay, so first of all, you know, um, the opportunity to, to teach again, you know, and teaching that forum, I just, I loved it. I had, there were about, I think about eight or more students or so. And um, I had come, my, the one that I presented on came like later on in the series of, of um, presenters. Um, 
but for me, let me see. I would say, um, and so I can't remember. It was story versus something. I can't for the life of me remember what it was. But what I experienced, I met some students there that I then met at um, a couple other um, black theater festivals. Mm-hmm. And I want to say the opportunity that I had to engage in a classroom, virtual classroom situation was wonderful. And then to hear, to see that these writers are out there and they're creating beautiful work. Um, I think there was Jay and there was Veronique. And I think I met those two, there were students there at the piece. And of course you were as well. And to meet them after and hear their work, experience their work, it was just, it's a joy for me. Um, so I can't remember the specifics. I know it was story versus something. I know I had them doing these um, exercises, but to meet them outside of that and to see them really work at honing their craft, it's it's pleasurable for me. It's enjoyable. It's, you know, I want to sit in, you know, and I didn't have an opportunity. I think at both festivals, I had conflicts. So I was going to Jay's. So I sat in on Jay's piece for a short while, but then somebody had asked me to read in another piece. So I was gone. And then at ABTF last year, Veronique and I, we were having our readings at the same time. Oh, gotcha. I was just joyful, absolutely joyful. And to know that this is the kind of work that this, uh, that ABTF, um, well, not work, this is a type of, um development that abtf gave that opportunity to these to these students right of theater it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing and for me too because i still consider myself to be a student of theater yeah theater is a wonderful thing you know and you're back to our initial thing about lifelong learning that is definitely the key with that um So I'm going to ask you a little bit of a question out of left field. I don't know if you've been following the, again, I should say again. (laughs) I don't know if you've been following the, the news that's been out there and these new technologies around um, AI, uh, writing things for people or just, you know, chat GPT and some of these others. Oh, it'd be great to get your, viewpoint, even though that technology is nascent, right? It's not necessarily all out there. What are some of your thoughts about these things writing for us? You know, yeah, I've been seeing about these chat GBTs and all of that. I've been reading about it. And so my, so there are two things. Who is the creator then? Right? That's who is the creator? Is it, if you have some, if, is there an algorithm algorithm that is being, that is generating these words in a particular order? How then do you take creative or, or have creative license or ownership? Not even license because license is one thing, but ownership, right? So there's that. And then, so then, if you think, and then I think a little further and I'm like, how does that respond or how does that relate to writers, writers who write for other people? 
It's a good point. And you know, my 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 thought is, what happens as these things get more sophisticated, right? Because they're all based on machine learning, right? And what happens at a certain point? And to your point about who owns it, it's a complicated question. Because if I put the inputs on it and then it writes it, did I put the inputs in it? So do so do I own it? I ain't write it, but I put the inputs in. In order for it to create this thing, and, and do I own it? And then from there, you think about copywriting. I'm glad it hasn't gotten to our world yet, per se. <laughs> like people aren't writing, you know, these things aren't writing theater things yet, um, but you know, in, in plays, but they could. They, yeah. yeah, I mean, technology is moving at a phenomenal rate. You know, I love technology, by the way. I love the things, you know, people who are doing new theater, who are incorporating technology in their performances. I love that. You know, I love that as well. Um, but it becomes complicated. And I think the, um, it, it almost seems like it can be a Pandora's box. Yeah, because once you're owning, just like going back to the beginning of our conversation about us learning, <laughs> the, the thing is learning and it's learning at the speed of a computer. Well, what what does that mean? I'm not saying that we have like Skynet, Terminator <laughs> kind of things going on tomorrow. But, <laughs> You know, and then reproduction, like, for example, you know, we t I talked about mimicry, I think, when we were talking earlier or when in our chat before we came on, um, how much of this becomes kind of like a replication of what preceded it? You know, how much of this chat GBT AI expression is then kind of just regurgitating um, Closely, because I mean, we know that a lot of like a lot of the um, things that we uh, see and do are in some ways replications of other experiences in theater, in life, or whatever. But when you have that new technology in the mix, how closely is it then going to be replicating whatever type of work that yeah. exists? Because if it builds on things that have already existed then what does that mean? So, right, right. How does that algorithm, I keep saying algorithm, but you know what I mean, algorithm. algorithm yes. <laughs> how does it, how would that then impact the quality of the work or the, is there any going, is there going to be anything new? Is there going to be some genius expression? Are we going to have genius writers, quote unquote writers out of this, you know, it's, it's a thing that um certainly you know when you, you wait you see hopefully you we be prepared by the time it's just full flesh because you know a few years ago ai art was a thing it was just kind of this niche thing and certainly during the pandemic pandemic it exploded mm -hmm. right people are made mazillions of money off their ai art so you know it's something to consider and think about but as a writer, I'm going to keep writing. That's exactly right. You know, all of that stuff, the chat GPT, the stable diffusion, all of these things that are doing that. This is, this is a great development as far as I can tell. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to turn a little bit to mentoring and ask you a question about who in your life has been what you consider a mentor, past or present, as you've been developing yourself as a creative. I have 
I don't know. Okay, so I don't know as a writer per se that I had a mentor, but I had women and people, I should say people in my life, who were tremendously encouraging and supportive. When I started writing, really writing theater, writing for the stage, <clears throat> it was by accident. Oh. Uh, it was by accident. I, you know, I was teaching at the time. And so, so this is what happened. It was in church and you know, they were bringing the church plays and I'm thinking, really? Mm, I could do something better than that. So I wrote, this play didn't know the correct format or anything, but I wrote a play, and um, it was from that. The story was pretty dope, mm -hmm. you know. Had my own little spin, and it was just people behind um, Barbara Jones. She was at the time she was a Sunday school teacher. She was a Sunday school superintendent, um, and she just she she just encouraged me. You miss Captain Screen. She's well. They just encouraged me. And then the actors, and these are these are church actors, so they have no training at all. But really it was people like that that encouraged me. And then for me, mentorship, because I'd say this is my passion, yes. Um, but it's also, it, it goes beyond a passion for me. I've seen the value in writing stories to, Heal. When I did my play Renaming Shame, that was a story to heal. For me to express how I healed some very traumatic events. And I know there were so many others as well who had experienced um, sexual trauma and needed healing. It was a ter it was a difficult story to tell. And I had to navigate a way to tell that story to bring healing and not re-traumatize which was a very difficult rope to walk. But I also know uh, for me, mentorship is, for example, pulling others in. Sometimes there are people who don't even recognize that they have this creative ability. Um, and whether it is, so one thing you have to know for, for, for many of us who grew up or, or who are in the church, doing theater in the church, you, you can sometimes end up wearing multiple hats. Yeah. And my carnival experience that I spoke about before <laughs> had, prepared <me. laughs> had prepared me. So I was ready. Um, but uh, for me as a creative, just being able to, you know, do um, somehow contribute or to, to see a, a child or a young adult or an adult, there can be adults, and to make them see um, themselves in a whole different light, to realize that they can write or they can make costumes or they can do set work or they can do, you know, prop work, whatever. Those are some of the things that I really makes me joyful. Good. Sharing, you know, knowledge and learning too. Because I'm always here for the learn. I want to learn. I want to experience. I want, and I, and I love that engagement. Yeah. Student, and sometimes the teacher becomes the student because in mentorship, you, you're learning so much about the people that you're, that you're engaged in. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, 
Quick question about that um, aerial process a little bit. So do you use a certain headspace that you have to get in or a certain tool that you might use, like a certain software or a computer, something that gets you in your creative juices ready to go? Is there something like that for you? For me, it's my hobbies. So when the weather is good, I'm a gardener. I love to garden. And really in recent years, I've had to step back because allergies somehow just started taking over. But the garden, being in the garden was just a phenomenal place for me to just think of these crazy stories or beautiful stories. So it's either gardening. I've recently re, um, reconnected with a, with a, well, at the time I didn't think it was a passion, but music has always been a passion of mine. And so I started playing the piano again. Oh, wow. You're a piano player? Okay, I'm new. I'm new because it's been a while. So look, last year when I came back from from Atlanta, I was going. I was like, I'll be the best, and I was moving at a quick pace. And then I traveled. I was out. out I was gone for like three months. So right now I'm I'm relearning. I'm like, oh god, god, god girl, you got some work to do. But really, things like that for me, whether it's gardening or piano playing, I love to sing. I make up songs on the fly, and songs that exist. People that know me well in this household know that I will be singing my own words to it because <laughs> I think so, I know the words. You karaoke in your own way. <laughs> I'll be saying whatever I think that works. But those are the things that, um, and I love, and even when I'm working out, you know, if I, if I go for a walk or if I'm lifting or whatever, in those moments, it's like, Somehow I just, you know, the mind, you get these stories. I'm walking and I may be talking to myself. I, I, look, when I'm driving, I just pretend that I'm on the phone. I'm so glad now that people have these things. I don't have one. <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm talking a story. So those moments, and I'm, and I'm dead serious about it. Those are the moments, you know, so, and I'm like, okay, when I get home, and if it's really, really good, I'll pull my phone, do a quick recording, so I know this is what's going on. That's, you made me think about something so awesome. Like, I was ready to put like a little blog post about when are moments that you are creative that when you're not writing, right? That just, just pop into your head. And this is a very too much information about Winston for everyone that's out there, is that I have these unbelievably awesome ideas when I'm taking a shower. <laughs> like I'm, I don't know what it is about that taking a shower scenario. And then it's just like, I got these great things. As soon as I get out, I gotta like write it down or speak to the the, the, the Siri or something. And I gotta do it. I gotta get to, uh, it's like the relaxation moment or your, your creativity mode. That's right. Number two is when I'm walking and I know, I know this for a fact yes. that I'm walking and I get an idea and then I'll talk to the phone about it to capture it and people i'm sure people are like is he on the phone <laughs> no i do the same thing that's why when i'm out walking i well, i try to walk i can walk every day if i can unless it's really cold and i'm like forget you i ain't trying to but when i'm out walking it's just you know and sometimes that's the way i'm problem problem solving too right so if there's a particular space that i'm, that I'm in in my writing where it's something troubling. I need to work this character out, or I need to work something about what's occurring in this scene out. Walking actually helps me um, kind of 
go through this problem and come to a solution or more than one solution um, that I would want to then come and try out. So I really love walking for that. It's really, um, you know, not just healthy for the body, but I think just kind of healthy for the mind too. You were out there listening to our conversation with um, Alethea. What, what, what is it? What is the time that you get creative? You know, feel free to share with us at any point throughout the creativity cocktail, whether you're listening to us on audio or video, because we know that there are, and it's not necessarily just when you're writing, it's when something else is happening when you're doing things. Probably the one that the third, if I had the, the, the first one I said, and the walking. And the third one is like when I'm watching something really good, something happened, you know, something, for some reason I'm watching it and I feel like I got to stop because something just popped into my head about a great idea. You know? Now, when you say watching, is it watching something on screen or watching life, watching people? Mostly screen, but it has happened. Like I'm a, I'm a big believer in walking like you are. People give me a hard time because every time I go to New York, I take a train to Manhattan and then I walk, whether it's north or south Manhattan, I walk for as long as I can walk until I feel like I got to stop walking. Mm -hmm. And so last time I walked, I walked all the way from 34th Street, which is Midtown, all the way down to NYU. No. I did. I, I did. And, and, and it was a nice, long, I forget That's what it was. That's a long walk. You know, it was like in May, so it was okay to walk. You know, what? I, no, even as you're saying that, because um, so two years ago in New York, I'm in Chelsea, and I'm walking. And you're really, when you start walking, you can walk for, and then before I knew it was over an hour, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm, because I missed that when I moved here from New York, I really miss walking like that, you know, because. I live in a little neighborhood, so I walk the neighborhood. But it's different when you walk the city. Oh gosh, it is so stimulating to me. It is, yeah, it's it's a it's a different experience. And you know, two years ago in New York, I was like, oh yeah, I, I forgot this, and this was good. So I can I can understand. It's so stimulating, and I walked all the way down to NYU, and I went to this little pizza spot that I go to all that I remembered. And so I sat in there after it was over. And people are like, who's this guy with his jacket? <laughs> you know, you get a, getting a, a, two slices of pizza in New York City is fantastic. It's like that. That is life. Because you know, walk past Union Square, and it was nice house. So it was all of these people out doing all kinds of things. I was like, now that is creativity at its finest. Yes, it is. It's been so wonderful to have you here with us, Alicia, to kick off our new season. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful way to kick it off. This Thank you is so very much. It was, a joy. it was an absolute joy speaking with you, oh, having this con. Let me say this having our conversation. <laughs> so, if somebody wants to reach out to you or connect with you, what are some of the best ways for them to do that? So I would say the best way is to go to my website, alethiamccullen.com. And from there, you can, there is a spot where you can send me an email. Uh, you can also follow me um, on Alethea McCollin Playwright on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitter piece, but listen, I don't tweet like that. So I'm, it's there, <laughs> but I'll be lying if I say to you. <laughs> 
chat me up because really I'm not going. But I think the best way is reach out, go to LisaMcCollin.com. You can send me an email and I do respond uh, to emails. And um, that's, I think that's the most important. And if you, Alika McCollin, playwright on Facebook, follow, like, chat, say something, say hi, I'll say hi back. That's a good way to me. So awesome. So let's share your piece here. So this is a question that I've asked ever since the Creativity Cocktail started in 2019. And this is a question that you will be answering to someone who's out there. It, it won't be me, it'll be you talking directly to the audience. Mm -hmm. And the question is, someone is struggling as far as being a creative, for whatever reason, they're, they're struggling and they're saying to themselves, I don't know if I should keep doing this. I don't know if this is providing any value. I don't see what the end result is. And you're talking to them because it's going to be just you. I'm taking myself backstage. Mm -hmm. And you are talking to them about how do they keep going and what are some of the things they should think about as they keep going in their, in their creative journey? Yeah. I think for you as a creative, first of all, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Because very often, I think the thing that really stymies our growth the thing that really prevents us from moving forward and kind of can put a negative spin of, on who you are as a creative is when you start comparing yourself. Um, somebody else is gonna be out there, they have this greater skill, they are more popular, they're getting all the jobs, I, what am I going to do? As a creative, first of all, what is your, what is your end game and the why? The why behind why you create or what the why that drives you to create if you have that why and you're sure about your why then it allows you give yourself permission to create because of that why if it is that you are looking at other people who are somehow blowing up and you can't achieve that greatness I want you to take the time, sit back, pause, and again, go back to your why. And if you love it, if you're creating because you love it, create because you love it. And you may need to have a job to because we need to eat too. But create. Create because it's part of being. We are creation and we are created to create. So create. Create because... You can share a story, you can share your art, you can share, and we're part of this universe. We're part of the global community. Create for that reason. Create because you can. And when you go back to the fundamentals of what it means to be a creative, to be a creative really for me means to be human. And because you are human, you can create. And so embrace that. Take away the distractions that try to come in and make you feel like an imposter. Believe in your creative ability, and then you'll see that you're not an imposter. 
believe in the thing that you want to share. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a way of telling a story and tell yours. Don't compare, just do. And that would be my advice to you. That is so wonderful. And thank you for those who are giving us comments from Tony and Gina. Thank you. You're, you're so on, on point with that. And one thing you said, um, Alethea, that struck with me is that we were created to do this. You know, um, God has put us here to create things. Absolutely. To create stuff, you know, what we're talking to on now, right now, whatever this technology is, it was here because somebody created it. And thank goodness Absolutely. for that. You know, and so you, your, your message, I do not want to add anything else to such a beautiful message. It, it really was fantastic. So all of you who are out there, please, this is a wonderful year for yourself. Don't worry about necessarily the goals or the resolutions. Worry about what you can do. Worry about your values. What's most important to you? Is it your family? Is it your creativity? Make sure that you have those things in focus versus what the external world is telling you is an important thing for your year. Your year is your year. Own it. That's right. The Creativity Cocktail is excited to have this kick off with you. It's just amazing. This year, for those of you who are out there, we had a successful year last year. We raised $3,000 for Kiana's voice, um, which is in honor of my wonderful niece, Kiana, who couldn't be here with us. And so this year is going to be continuing to do that. We have an amazing announcement. So keep tuned. It'll be out here shortly where we're going to try to do something that hasn't necessarily been done before, but it's going to be done in our way. It's going to be done in our way and it's going to be an amazing thing. And it's a way for us to take the creatives that we know in our community and those who are out there who are struggling to be creative and putting them two together okay. and, and figuring out how do we connect the dots? How do we make sure that we're helping our creators, not just in a, in a theoretical way, but in, in a practical way. So awesome to have you. For those of you out there, please subscribe and all of that cool, cool stuff. I know you're going to be back, Lethia. I hope so. You are. You're I hope so. Right, I <laughs> There's no doubt for all of you out there. Take care of yourself. When you got up this morning, you looked in the mirror. What you saw in the mirror was a masterpiece. That's what I saw. Looking. So, that's right. So what little brushstroke are you going to give to yourself today to continue to paint that masterpiece that is you? This is Winston with the Creativity Cocktail. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you.